welcome to my mommy's podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Paleo Valley, one of my favorite companies with some of my favorite products, including grass-fed beef sticks that my kids love. Right now, I am especially a fan of their vitamin C complex, which is, for my research, the most powerful 100% natural vitamin C product on the planet with three of the most concentrated natural sources of vitamin C, amla berry, camu camu berry, and unripe acerola cherry to deliver 750% of your daily recommended intake of vitamin C to help you thrive and not just survive. Most other vitamin C supplements are derived from genetically modified corn, and they only contain one fraction of that, ascorbic acid. Humans are the only mammals that don't make their own vitamin C, which means we must get it from our diets, and many of us don't get enough. It's more than just a boost to the immune system. Vitamin C also plays a critical role in many of the body's functions and is a powerful antioxidant. It also aids in tissue regeneration, the absorption of iron, and the production of collagen. This is something I have made a regular part of my routine, especially as I get older, because of that key piece of it being used in collagen production, meaning that it can be really beneficial for the skin and for maintaining collagen and youthful appearance. You can learn more about it by going to paleovalley.com forward slash mama to save 15%. So again, that's paleo, P-A-L-E-O, B-A-L-L-E-Y.com forward slash M-A-M-A to save 15% on their vitamin C and other products. This podcast is brought to you by BLDG Active Skin Repair Products. From diaper rash to knee scrapes and sunburns, with families, there's always something skin related going on. And Active Skin Repair has a unique solution. They harness the power of the human body by replicating the same molecule your white blood cells produce to create a natural antimicrobial. This fights off foreign organisms like bacteria, fungi, and viruses, and helps support your body's natural healing process of soothing skin irritations. I'm a big fan of anything that works with the body's natural processes, and this is the most natural one I've found. It's an all-in-one three ounce solution that you can use in place of all kinds of toxic first aid and sanitizing products like neosporin, peroxide, and alcohol. And in addition, unlike other plant-based balms, Active Skin Repair's hero ingredient, HOCI, is backed by years of scientific and clinical research using the same FDA-cleared medical-grade molecule used in hospitals worldwide. They produce theirs in California in an ISO-certified clean room using a proprietary formulation to make sure that you get the highest-grade product available. I've also found in testing this that my kids really prefer this to any other type of product because it seems much more comfortable and doesn't seem to cause the initial stinging or irritation. So it's been a great product at our home. You can learn more by going to wellnessmama.com forward slash go forward slash active. That's wellnessmama.com forward slash go forward slash active, A-C-T-I-V-E. Hello and welcome to the Wellness Mama podcast. I'm Katie from wellnessmama.com and wellness.com. That's wellness with an E on the end, my new personal care line. And this episode is all about creating joy and strong community with someone who has done this in various different ways and is certainly an expert. I'm here with Radha Agrawal, who is a force for community building in the world. She is the co-founder, CEO, and chief community architect of a company called Daybreaker, which is an early morning dance 
and wellness movement company that's in 28 cities and five continents, also now digital. And she and her team launched something called Dose by Daybreaker, which is a science-backed platform and even a a membership community to cultivate the practice of joy in a science-backed way. She's also a successful entrepreneur, is the co-founder of Thinks. You've probably heard of those. She's an author, a speaker, a DJ, an inventor, and an investor in many female-owned businesses. She's also a mom. And in this episode, we go deep on how to build strong community, how to create and curate more joy in your life, why having poor connections and lack of community is more harmful than alcoholism or obesity, and how to create a solid plan for nurturing those things in your life. So without further ado, let's join Rada. Rada, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Katie, for having me. I am excited to chat about so many things with you today. You're a new friend, and I feel like in our first conversation, we found probably a dozen synergies to talk about, and we'll try to stick to just a couple of those today. But to start broad, um, I would love for you to give us an intro to one of your newer projects called Daybreaker and explain what this is. I have a feeling it's going to lead us down a lot of topics of conversation, including creating strong community, which I think is more important than ever right now. But let's start broad. Yeah. So Daybreaker is a global dance movement, and we uh, launched here in New York City seven years ago, really as a social experiment to see if people would be willing to have fun and, and party across all ages, all generations at a time of day when our energy is the most full, which is the morning. So Daybreaker is an early morning dance party uh, series and no alcohol, no substances. So really taking away all the negativity, all the things that make you feel yucky the next day and kept all the fun stuff, the, the cool venues, the lighting, the music, the exciting performances, the fire spinners, the aerialists, the dueling sax players and all the fun stuff of nightlife. Um, but replaced the alcohol with green juice and coffee and tea and and replaced the mean bouncer with a hugging committee <laughs> and really made um, nightlife morning life. And now morning life and, you know, m- making friends and building community at an hour of the day when we don't have to, again, hop ourselves up on caffeine or alcohol to stay awake. That's where we think the new cool is. We think that it's really more fun to make friends in the morning. When, again, our brain says we're more optimistic, more ready to connect and meet people, more joyful naturally, and we just got out of the same place, all of us, our beds. <laughs> so um, so that's Daybreaker Nutshell. We, we launched as an, again, experiment seven years ago at Sunrise in New York City, and 200 people came out to that very first one. And after that, it just took off. We had, you know, hundreds of people come to the next one. And then someone was moving to San Francisco and said, Hey, Rada, can we open it in San Francisco? So we launched in San Francisco. And then someone says, I love this. I want to launch in LA. And, and just organically, we launched it. And now we're in 28 cities around the world. We're a community of 500,000 members. And, um, and then when COVID happened, we pivoted to virtual dance parties. So we launched virtually and that expanded our community to everyone, um, elder community members, all the way to little babies. So we grew that community so exponentially just by the intergenerational nature of it um, and all across the world. So we you know, did these virtual dance parties, 22 episodes so far during COVID <laughs> and served about 300,000 community members. And, um, and in that time noticed that we were getting so many letters of people just saying how their mental health was 
struggling and they were going through so much um, in their well-being um, needs. And then we pivoted to launch Dose, which is uh, our third pivot of the year, which was all around uh, day-to-day kind of on-demand joy practices um, and to really connect people to the anatomy of joy and how to really you know, holistically understand the brain-body connection between, yeah, the brain-body connection to be truly happy, to be truly functionally happy. Um, and so we launched with a series of, of classes and exercises that we created and developed um, with the Greater Good Science Center out of Berkeley, California, to really build first-of-its-kind joy practices that fuse all the most potent kind of healing modalities that we um, researched all around the world connected to joy. It's so fascinating. And I love the idea of kind of applying the science, like you said, the science of joy. Or, uh, and I know DOSE stands for something. It's an acronym, correct? Yes. So DOSE stands for dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and endorphins. And these are our four happy neurochemicals that our brains naturally create. And what's ironic is it spells out the word dose. So when I discovered that, when I was writing my book, um, I just couldn't believe that here we are taking all of these pharmaceuticals to make our brains happier, but we can actually train our brains to release them naturally. And we just have gotten pretty lazy or have not learned how to do that. And so our my entire raison d'etre is to get people off SSRIs, get people turning to joy practices first as a first line of defense before they get to antidepressants, SSRI medications. Like, let's get you to actually learn how to tickle your brain chemistry. You really learn how to unlock your happy hormones, your happy neurochemicals in ways that are movement-driven, that are very gentle and fun, that are community-driven and from the comforts of your own home. And so um, that's been a big, big project of ours and um, re- really, really cool to see what's happening in the first few months and, and with all the research that we're doing with our uh, initial members and the level of change that we're seeing in our community members um, before and after is astonishing. I love that. I love taking the scientific approach and especially it's certainly no secret that this past year has been tough on a lot of people and we are certainly seeing a rise in mental health issues almost across the board. And you're right. I think more and more people are turning to pharmaceuticals for this without maybe really considering some of these other science-backed ways. Certainly a lot of people listening have probably taken or tried to take a lot of the natural routes, but even um, this is a new area for me. Like I've tried many things like supplements and sunlight and things that I think are super important, but the joy practices that you recommend, and especially things like dance, I don't think they're uh, on most people's short list of things they do uh, as part of their daily practice or as part of self-care, but you make a strong case for truly like incorporating this can very much be part of a mental health self-care practice. Can you go a little bit deeper on the dance side as well? Cause I feel like this is such a unique way of tackling this problem. Absolutely. So dance is, you know, it's such an interesting word because people have so many different judgments around that word dance. Like I'm not a dancer or um, I don't know how to dance or I have so much judgment on how I look when I, when I move my body. But really if we're walking down the street, we're literally dancing, right? It's just essentially adding a beat. Our natural heartbeat is literally the first musical note that we've ever heard in our lives, which is our mother's heartbeat. And, and yet, so, so, and yet we, we call ourselves, you know, names and I'm not a dancer. So our, our goal with Daybreaker is to help everyone return to the dancer in them 
and to really recognize that there isn't like, it's not dance choreography. Like we don't teach choreography. We just literally help you connect to your self-expression, help you connect to music and help you connect to your essence. Uh, we have blindfolded moments in our dance experience to really, again, get you to go in, move through any um, trauma, self-judgments, any past kind of preconditioning that you've had to really reprogram yourself. So much of this blindfolded meditation that you see, it's seated and still is very potent. But when you add movement to it, when you actually invite blindfolded movement modality, when you invite guided visualization practices, as you safely, low and slow, I always say, move just with a depth of connection to your self-expression while you're going in, not going out to, on a dance floor where you're you know, kind of shy or nervous about what other people think of you. This is a moment where you get to actually move your body and go in and really get between your ears, get between your your body um, energy levels and and connect to yourself from this again this um, movement space and and I guide you through the super gentle yet potent um, way of of going into your the dancer inside of you and and we invite breath into it we invite again visualization practices we invite play and creative expression and it really is for all ages our community a daybreaker and dose ranges from young middle schoolers all the way up to people in their 80s and 90s and um, the whole idea is that joy can be practiced across all levels, all ages, all shapes. Um, it's not high intensity interval training that spikes your cortisol. And that's a big thing that I talk about that I'm going to be coming out with quite a bit, which is we need to break up with our cortisol um, addiction. And 80% of us who practice exercise and who are in you know high intensity exercise uh, movement modalities we're creating often more cortisol spikes more stress in our lives that's that isn't actually inviting us to reclaim our joy and retrain our brains retrain our body brain to actually remember to unlock your happy neurochemicals so our entire entrainment process is to break up with the spike of cortisol and to retrain your body and your brain to move towards modalities that look at the net mind body score because when you work out you're just looking at the body score oh my abs are tighter my butt is tighter my you know my my arms are a little bit less flabby or whatever you're looking at your body score but what is the mind body score when you're exhausted after a a workout when you're you know maybe binge eating afterwards or judging yourself in the mirror every day right and so the whole thing that we look at is how do we actually look at the brain body score the mind body score and look at what is happening in your brain are you spiking cortisol and stress in your body when you're doing these high intensity workouts or are you actually inviting your happy neurochemicals from coming out which makes you more happy and, and lasts for longer times longer hours throughout the day so you don't have to get that fixed day in day out that you're getting your brain entrained by these joyful movement modalities that again, look at, we look at the net brain body score and, and leaves you with a much, much higher net brain body score as any traditional high intensity workout will do. That's a great point. And especially for women, we're so much more sensitive to 
hormone fluctuations related to that. And like that cortisol cascade can affect everything from your melatonin production, which affects your sleep to metabolism, like every hormone. And even your skin, even, even your skin, like we, I say, you know, our joy practice is good for your skin, good for anti-aging. And when you practice joy, when you practice how to release your happy neurochemicals, you're relaxing your skin, you're creating more oxygen, you're creating more, just so much sort of better, better elasticity through this sort of breathing, your serotonin levels are created in your gut and serotonin, 80% of serotonin is created in your gut what you put in your body that then translates up into your brain. And serotonin is all about anti-anxiety, anti-depression, um, really connected to um, relaxation, connected to awe, connected to ease and comfort. And you can get that, of course, you know, when you eat the right foods, we can get that when you practice joy as well. And we have so many modalities um, that we fuse together from Qigong to Tai Chi, to breathwork, to pranayama, to visualization practices, to, to mindfulness, uh, blindfolded practices, to self-massage practices, to just dance, of course, dance, lots and lots of different dance and movement, but I call it, you know, movement meditation dance uh, modalities um, that we invite in. And it, and it fuses all of these different potent practices together to get you the most connected to your happy neurochemistry. And you're right. I think dance is can be a difficult thing for a lot of people. There's a lot wrapped up into that, like you mentioned, and how we feel about our bodies. I think it forces us to face some of our filters. Although uh, as a mom, I see that kids don't have that and they seem to develop it as they get older. But my younger kids just naturally move. And I know you're a mom as well. I feel like this is a fun thing, like the idea of incorporating dance with our families as well. Is that something that you guys do and any suggestions for kind of building that into a family environment? Absolutely. So every single morning, my daughter runs into our room. Well, actually I pick her out of the crib <laughs> and she's two, she just turned two. And the first thing she says is, oh, 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 dance, which is Shakira's song from um, this wonderful uh, movie Zootopia. And, and we just sing this song, we dance and we sing the song every single morning. She just jumps up and down. And then we now have a full playlist um, of, of dance music and dance songs that she loves that we incorporate also into our dose practices. So then she, we do a dose dance class together, movement practice. And she just, again, it's because like so much of our eyes are closed in, in this dance movement. So you're really looking inward again, safely doing movement with your eyes closed with a blindfold on or just gentle dance movements where we actually invite affirmations into our into our brain body. So we have so many different movements that Soleil can do. So we'll say Soleil, her name is Soleil, my daughter. And, and she's two, and so she's learning so, I mean, her vocabulary is growing like crazy. So we'll say Soleil, you know, um, I am powerful. And she'll just say, I'm powerful, you know? And, you know, so around the, our classes, the video frame, we have eight affirmations around the, the frame. So that, you know, while you're taking the, the joy practice, you have all of these affirmations subconsciously entering your brain body. So that even if you're not necessarily focusing on them for most of the class, though we have parts of the class where we invite you to literally physically bring in these affirmations into your physical space as you dance and move, 
But uh, outside of that, affirmations are a really important part of our joy practice. And so, so Lay and us and we'll, we'll, my husband will we'll dance around and do a joys class, but, but really recite these affirmations. And then she just feels, and I just watch my daughter gain confidence as she says words like, I am powerful. I am beautiful. I am connected. I am a dancer. I am strong, you know? And so um, each dose class has eight different affirmations around the perimeter of the video frame. And so um, every class you get to invite new affirmations into your joy space. Um, and it's just, just, and you do that for 11 minutes every morning, we call um, microdosing. <laughs> so you microdose on joy. So we have an 11 minute class that you can do every morning. We have a 33 minute class that you can do in the mornings. And it just, again, sets your day off with joyful affirmations, gentle movements. I say that you glisten after a class, you don't sweat. So you're like shining and shimmering versus sweating and red faced. And it just creates a completely different just level of energy for your day. It's a smoother, it's a smoother ride. I love that. The idea of microdosing, that's so much fun. And yeah, I wish I had thought to do that with my kids when they were really young. Cause now my older ones, I'm having to like learn to help them break out of their shells, just like I'm having to learn to do myself when it comes to dance, but it's a fun synergy because that was on my list to tackle for this year. Last year, singing in public was the scariest thing I could imagine. So I just started taking voice lessons and tackled that one. And um, this year, one of my focuses is to learn how to dance, not in a specific way, but just to be, to be able to have fun and not be self-conscious while dancing. So well, Katie, I'll, I'll, I'll gift you a membership. Um, uh, as soon as we're done this, this podcast, I'll, I'll send you a membership so you can try it out and, and really practice joy in the comforts of your living room. So it'll, it'll, it'll be a good first step before I invite you to a daybreaker in the real world. <laughs> awesome. I'm excited to jump in. Uh, another area that I know you have a lot of experience with and you've even written about in your book is the idea of growing and cultivating strong community. And I think this is so incredibly important, even more so than it ever has been after this past year. And I know many, many people are reeling from feeling that lack of community. Um, I know I felt that for a long time and I had to be very conscious about creating a strong community um, because in today's world, it doesn't seem to happen quite as naturally as it once did. So I'd love to hear from you on the topic of community, both on the importance. I know you've researched just how vitally important it is to every aspect of our lives. And then from a practical standpoint, how can we build it, especially in such unusual times? Absolutely. So just, you know, two stats for you, Um, you know, one before COVID one in four Americans had zero friends to confide in. And that number had tripled in 30 years. And now with COVID, one in two are experiencing social isolation. Um, and that number goes up when you're looking at you know, elder community members. So it's, it's a very, very wild time. Another stat um, to share is you know, having poor social connections is as harmful to your physical health as being an alcoholic and twice as harmful as obesity. So paying attention to your friendships and your connections and relationships, if you don't pay attention to it, is as harmful to your physical health as being obese or an alcoholic. And it's wild to think about because we put, don't put those in the same category, but all of that ladders up to our mental health. And so, yeah, so the first thing I say in my book is you have to go in to go out. And I think, you know, we often will be so in grasping mode that we don't get intentional about our own sort of values, our own interests, our own sort of 
where we are authentically showing up in the world. And so, you know, people, I used to fall in my twenties, I used to fall into friendships and stumble into these friend groups because I was just so eager to make friends. I didn't get intentional and, or look inside to what I needed. I just was kind of looking at what society thought was cool or, or, you know, what, what, um, what closest friends I could make by someone sitting next to me at my desk at work or whatever, you know? And so step one for me in my journey of building community was to really do an audit of my own self. And so I call that in my book, gentle self-awareness because awareness can be pretty harsh sometimes. Um, But if we can be gently self-aware and really come home to how we're showing up for the world and begin auditing what qualities we want in our own friendships. So the first thing I did was, A, I plotted my own history. I, I actually took the time to really, and it is all in my book too, but really take time to recognize where I was in my life, throughout my life, when I was feeling the most belonging, when I felt the most connected, when I was fist pumping to life. Like When were those moments in my life? And to draw a timeline out of that. And, and I realized the reason why I was so lonely in my twenties was because I moved 11 times, apartments, neighborhoods, cities, you know, for jobs and relationships and whatever it was. So it was no wonder I was living this nomadic life and I felt so unmoored. And so just in doing that audit made me realize, oh, wow, I was so happy in my childhood because I had roots and I was able to really develop friendships with, you know, around areas that I loved. I played soccer because I loved soccer. I loved language and arts. I was in language school and all of these different things. And, and so, you know, when, when you begin doing this audit for yourself, you begin seeing all these clues. Oh, maybe I shouldn't be living this nomadic lifestyle, backpack living, which is so cool with the millennials these days. How can we actually audit moments in our lives when we're the most, when was I running away? When was I feeling the most bullied? When was I feeling the most, you know, embarrassed about moments in my life? Just audit those moments and then recognize, okay, what are the qualities now that I'm looking for in a friend at this phase in my life as a new mom or for you as a mom with, you know, multiple children, it's like we have different values and different qualities we're looking for in a friend today. So I actually wrote down for the first time in my life, um, what qualities I was looking for in a friend. And we do this type of audit for our work careers. We do this audit for our for our, our loved ones and our romantic relationships, but rarely do we do this type of audit for our friendships. So, so column one is like, what qualities am I looking for in a friend? Like really take the time to write that, that down. I want friends to talk about ideas and not each other. I want friends who like to work out and be healthy. I want friends who love to travel. I want friends who love music festivals. And I want friends who love to maybe get curious about different, trying out different things like dance, you know, in the morning, (laughs) you know, and then column two is like, what are the qualities that I don't want in a friend? Like really take the time to write that out. Like what, I don't want friends who are competitive with each other. I want friends who shoulder shrug when I have a big victory and I call my friend. I'm like, you know, like Stacy, whatever. I had this amazing thing happen to me. Um, and then they're like, oh, cool, cool. I got to go. My, my kid's screaming at me. I need to run versus like celebrating wholeheartedly for you, you know? So really like taking time to audit the qualities that you're looking for in a friend that you don't want in a friend. You don't want negative Nellies, like people who are backseat drivers who are constantly like you know, just grandfathered in from your old life, just like really taking that time. And then column number three is what are the qualities that I need to embody 
in order to attract the friends that I want. So I want friends who are, I, I'm, I need to be less, you know, less of a workaholic. I need to cancel less on friends. I need to be less judgy of the way someone, whatever, you know, I need to, you know, so really taking the time to look at how I'm showing up and how I'm radiating my own authenticity. And when I began to do that audit and that real thoughtful thinking, that was the first time in my life at 30 years old, I did that for the very first time. It changed my life, Katie. It really just allowed me to, like it would gave boundaries. It created very, very easy guardrails for the type of friends that I would look for. So then after that, and then and there's a bunch more exercises in the going in part of, of the book. But after I did all these exercises, I went to go out, which was really, so I call it the four stages of community. So you have the exploratory phase of community. Like imagine like a bullseye, there's the outside and then it goes further and further in on a ring of a bullseye. So the outside ring is an exploratory phase where you, based on your current today's, your what you value today um, in a friend or in a community or, you know, in, in what you're interested in exploring, you begin exploring sort of those communities. So now, okay, I want travel community. I want festival community. I want entrepreneurial community. I want wellness community. Let me go and find all these types of, of, of communities online, um, in you know meetup groups and Facebook groups by asking friends of friends by just begin that beginning that curious inquiry you know by really reaching out what I call courageous inquiry really getting courageous about doing this research around not just like you know starting on social media does anyone have any friends for me like how do I you know it's like really taking time to research and seeing like what communities exist in my area or online that I can really begin aligning with that align with the qualities I'm looking for in a friend or another exercise in my book, the values, interests, and abilities that I, that I want in my own life. So exploratory becomes participatory. So one ring in, you now begin participating as you get connected. Let's say you pick one or two of those exploratory communities and you're like, oh, I really like these two communities. Let me begin volunteering my time. Let me just say that, oh, I'll, I'll do, I'll volunteer the door check or I'll, I'll, you know, I'd love to be part of the hosting committee or whatever it is. So now you're starting to participate in those communities or can I help, you know, with meal planning or whatever it may be. Um, Really think about what you, you know, what your abilities are and how you can show up for that community to participate in making that community better. And then in doing that, you go from exploratory to participatory to then outer core community, which is sort of maybe like a few hundred people that are sort of in this outer core, bigger, larger pool of people who are interested in the same areas of participation that you're a part of. So festival community members or entrepreneurship community members. And then from that outer core community membership, you'll find your five to seven inner core community members who really give you wings, who celebrate your victories, who who are not competitive with you, who really show up and high five you, who you can cry with when you're having a bad day who always say, oh my God, that's a great idea, Katie. You should totally do this really dope product company and get it started. It sounds awesome. I'm going to buy your, I'll be your first customer. I'll tell 10 of my friends, you know, like that's what you're looking for in the end, you know, and you do that by, by going through and really getting intentional about that journey. And, and honestly, on the other side of whatever thing that you build, you know, for me as an entrepreneur, when I built my underwear company or Daybreaker or Dose, 
as we grew and became more and more successful, I had people and friends to celebrate it with. I had my my inner core community who I could celebrate it with. And, and Katie, I got to tell you, there's so many friends of mine who, who have sold their businesses, who have made hundreds of millions of dollars, and they have no community with whom to share that joy with or share that major miles in their lives because they spent all of their life heads down working or just being parents and working and didn't cultivate any community. And, and I think it's so important, especially as parents today, to really make sure you have that third arm in your life, which is it could be a small inner core, but a core community that really you can celebrate with and, and take, you know, Mickey and I, my twin sister and I, when we sold one of our first businesses, we flew 40 of our friends out. We took 40 of our friends out on a all expenses paid vacation (laughs) to Columbia. And we just said, Hey, you know, you have been with us for, you know, our entire, you know, eight year run as we built this business. And now on the other side of it, when we sold it and we had our own amazing life-changing moment, we want to thank you for it. And let's have a party over four days in Columbia and all 40, 40 friends showed up and came and we, and we just had the best time. And, and they said, we cried together. They cried for us and with us. And it was the most magical, one of the most magical moments of my life because I had friends with whom we celebrated with. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I love your point about being intentional about that and even like writing out what you are looking for, because I think so often, maybe because in childhood friendships do tend to be more situational and happen based on your parents and your social group or your school, but we never really curate the idea of intentionally choosing and building community and friendships. But in today's world, I think I think that's really, really necessary. And many people, you're right, I think people do this when they're considering like a significant other or uh, certainly a business relationship, but our friendships are just as important. The community is just as important. And I know firsthand, like how different it feels to have that strong community. And I get asked that all the time, like, how did you find the community? And I'm like, well, I didn't find it. I built it, especially in today's world. You have to be the proactive one. And, And even for my kids, I've always wanted to be the house where all of their friends could always feel welcome and I'll feed any kids who are in my house any day, anytime. Um, and just giving them opportunities for those same experiences for community, for learning, for getting to work on projects together, whatever it may be. But, um, I love that. Like to your point, we have to be very intentional and nurture these things and make them as much of a priority as work or all of the other things that, that make themselves priorities in our life for us. Absolutely. I mean, Katie, I'll share one story that might make you giggle as a mom. Like here in New York City, you know, we're kind of all alone together in many ways. Like we, you know, my daughter's two and she's, you know, in COVID not been going to daycare or anything. And so, so I was like, I need to have her make friends. So I kind of lurked around the park around the corner from our house. And I just observed one afternoon um, just a group of kids playing and, and the ones that I felt like were the most joyfully energetic and were the most, you know, kind of looked like they were sharing with each other and supporting. And they looked around the same age as Soleil. I approached the nannies and I just said, excuse me, how old are are these kids? And they said, oh, they're, they're, you know, just under two. And I said, oh my gosh, my daughter just under two. Also, is it weird to ask for your phone number? I'd love to invite you all over for a play date um, safely, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I got to you know their, the mothers. I got I got caught, I got connected to the mothers via the nannies on on um, on text. I started texting the moms, and next thing I know, Soleil has these two best friends now that she sees you know every other day, 
and and it takes also parental coordination sometimes and and that intentional observation so you know I, I get to now community build for my daughter and she's only two but you know she's now so happy with her two best friends and she sees them all the time and um, I got to meet the moms and I know and the parents and and the parents are wonderful wonderful people and and I've made new, you know, mom friends in the process. <laughs> and, and I just think that we can do that as moms too, not just let our, our, our kids sort of like figure it out on their own and come home bullied, but we can actually really support our kids and, and helping them get intentional about how they choose their friends and why they choose their friends and where they find their friends. And by doing these types of, of via charts, like what, it, what, what, you know, ask your kids, like, what do you value? Oh, you like sports? Oh, you like you know, singing or, oh, you like, you know, dancing. Okay, great. Let's find all these communities. And, oh, let's find all the kids who, you know, we know are willing to share or are, are like happy-go-lucky or like, let's find the, the the right, you know, like really right mix that will give you wings in the end. And and I think there's so much that, that can be done in the parenting space that that I don't think is being taught just yet from a community perspective through the lens of making friends and helping your kids make friends, not, not to do their work for them and make it easy for them. And, you know, of course you're, you're teaching them the why, like why, you know, why are these friends uh, meaningful or why, you know, why, why do you want to pick, you know, what qualities do you want to look at in a friendship that makes them worthy of, of spending time with? Um, so giving our kids those types of lessons early on will pay dividends for, for the rest of their lives. Absolutely. And, and being willing to be the one to go first and to be the place for the community and to initiate those conversations and initiate those experiences. Um, especially now, I feel like things are seeming to get more open in, in a lot of places where people are more willing to at least spend time together in small groups in different ways. And so I think it's a beautiful time to start that process in our local areas. And yeah, it makes it just night and day difference to have someone have that small group. And you're right, it does not have to be a big group. Uh, it can be just a few core people, and that can be absolutely life-changing. I'm 100% on board with you about that. This podcast is sponsored by Paleo Valley, one of my favorite companies with some of my favorite products, including grass-fed beef sticks that my kids love. Right now, I am especially a fan of their vitamin C complex, which is, for my research, the most powerful 100% natural vitamin C product on the planet with three of the most concentrated natural sources of vitamin C, amla berry, camu camu berry, and unripe acerola cherry to deliver 750% of your daily recommended intake of vitamin C to help you thrive and not just survive. Most other vitamin C supplements are derived from genetically modified corn and they only contain one fraction of that, ascorbic acid. Humans are the only mammals that don't make their own vitamin C, which means we must get it from our diets. And many of us don't get enough. It's more than just a boost to the immune system. Vitamin C also plays a critical role in many of the body's functions and is a powerful antioxidant. It also aids in tissue regeneration, the absorption of iron, and the production of collagen. This is something I have made a regular part of my routine, especially as I get older, because of that key piece of it being used in collagen production, meaning that it can be really beneficial for the skin and for maintaining collagen and youthful appearance. You can learn more about it by going to paleovalley.com forward slash mama to save 15%. So again, that's paleo, P-A-L-E-O, B-A-L-L-E-Y.com forward slash M-A-M-A to save 15% on their vitamin C and other products. 
This podcast is brought to you by BLDG Active Skin Repair Products. From diaper rash to knee scrapes and sunburns, with families, there's always something skin-related going on. And Active Skin Repair has a unique solution. They harness the power of the human body by replicating the same molecule your white blood cells produce to create a natural antimicrobial. This fights off foreign organisms like bacteria, fungi, and viruses, and helps support your body's natural healing process of soothing skin irritations. I'm a big fan of anything that works with the body's natural processes, and this is the most natural one I've found. It's an all-in-one, three-ounce solution that you can use in place of all kinds of toxic first aid and sanitizing products like neosporin, peroxide, and alcohol. And in addition, unlike other plant-based balms, Active Skin Repair's hero ingredient, HOCI, is backed by years of scientific and clinical research using the same FDA-cleared medical-grade molecule used in hospitals worldwide. They produce theirs in California in an ISO-certified clean room using a proprietary formulation to make sure that you get the highest-grade product available. I've also found in testing this that my kids really prefer this to any other type of product because it seems much more comfortable and doesn't seem to cause the initial stinging or irritation. So it's been a great product at our home. You can learn more by going to wellnessmama.com forward slash go forward slash active. That's wellnessmama.com forward slash go forward slash active, A-C-T-I-V-E. You're also a mom. You've mentioned your little one. And I'd love any other tips for building in some of these joy practices and teaching these things early on with our kids. It's something I know I, when we spoke before, I'm very intentional about passing on certain core things to my children. I know you are too. So I'd love to hear from your personal experience, any other ways that you're doing this in your family. Yeah. I mean, my, you know, my advice might not be so just so popular, but I really think that, you know, some routine is good, but I also think it's so important to not change your life as parents to cater to your children's needs. And I think for me, what's made Soleil, I would say, I mean, she, she literally can, can recite 14, you know, sorry, 27 states in the American like map. And she knows her days of the week. She's like, she's just so, she's just so like intellectually curious because we never change. And she's so happy. And, and she's the kid that walks down the street and says hello to everyone. And the corner store lady always gives her chocolates and candy because she's so friendly and, and, and warm. And I think it's because we have always said, you know, we don't, ha- we're not going to change our lives for our daughter. We are going to invite her into our life to experience our intentional way of living. And she can pick up on that. Kids are such sponges. So instead of having the routine where, you know, mothers and fathers like sacrificed their whole entire authentic selves for the sake of these, you know, books that that exist out there that tell you that the kids have to go down this time, have to go to eat at this time, you know, everything has to be done so perfectly. And as as moms, we love to follow rules. I just think that it sets us up for a really um monotonous. And, and often frustrated, you know, kind of life. And so I think with Soleil, like we, I've taken her, she's been to 45 cities and, you know, over 10 countries in her first two years of life. I take her, she went on our Oprah tour. We had a nine stadium Oprah tour this past year. She was the only baby on the tour. Oprah held her for the tour photo with like 200 people there. And she became friends with everyone on tour. And it was just so cool to watch the entire community wherever she went 
become her parent too. So as a mom, instead of just being a nuclear mother, one mother, one father, mine, 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 I was super open and generous about other, you know, friends and family members becoming parental figures for her too. And whether it was on tour, whether it's with my, you know, best friends here in New York, you know, just being super open to to, to her socialization and being really adventurous about bringing, and it takes extra energy and effort and it can be sometimes you know, tiring, but actually it ended up when I, during COVID, when I was home with her, I had the same routine every day, it was more exhausting than traveling with her on the road, going to new places, seeing new, seeing new faces, having new energy coming at her that she could learn and, and work fortunately took me that, you know, there, and I know not everyone listening has those means to be able to travel everywhere, but, but I'm just saying like, change it up, like allow other friends and, and, and friend figures to, to really support in your parenting and and being, you know, generous about about um, allowing um, multiple types of energies into your child's life because they're they're so much richer for it. I agree. That's another great piece of advice. And um, as we get close to the end of our time today, I have a couple other questions I'd love to ask. The first being, if there is a book or a number of books that have had a profound impact on your life, and if so, what they are and why. Yeah. So I just read, actually, I just finished reading the book of joy. It's called the book of joy by the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu. And I have never felt more vindicated in just my passion and my career path, just like really doubling down on supporting the movement for joy. Um, These two spiritual leaders, I couldn't believe it, but they actually talk about joy practices and practicing joy and how happiness is not guaranteed and you you have to work at it every day and um and so they share a series of joy practices as well and in their book and they just talk about you know what it means to be courageously joyful today and so that book was such a beautiful just value add and as i you know develop our curriculum for functional happiness teacher training we're developing a whole functional happiness coaching program um, to teach people how to be, you know, sort of facilitators for joy and how to really teach brain body happiness biohacking anyway. And so that book really gave me so many, um, just so many ideas and thoughts and, and downloads around um, what more we could do in this space from two incredibly spiritual leaders. Um, and the other book actually is interesting just as an entrepreneur is Shoe Dog, which is um, Nike's founder's book, Phil Knight, who um, who basically uh, built Nike from scratch, and and the grit and the level of work ethic, like you know, today's entrepreneurs, they often think you just throw some things up on social media and it's done. But this, you know, it's like real institutions are built from the back of your truck, slinging shoes for years, like being on, you know, it's like his story of grit and almost going out of business a dozen times and having to fly back and forth to Japan to make new deals and to just how he signed his first, you know, sort of uh, face of Nike, how he just every level of his journey, he deserves to be where he is. And it will teach entrepreneurs, young entrepreneurs and, and seasoned entrepreneurs um, really what grit and what effort it takes to get to the top and get to change an industry and change uh, change the world. And I think he um, his book really really um, impacted me, and I, I loved it. 
so I would say those those two books and one for entrepreneurship and one for spirituality um, would be uh, two books that I would start with. Love it. I'll put both of those in the show notes at wellnessmama.fm. And any parting advice for the mostly women that are listening today, lots of women and moms, any parting words you want to leave with them? Yeah, I think it's so important for moms, especially to remember their authentic joy. I mean, it's so important for you to remember that our lives, if we make ourselves happy first, our children will be happy also. And so we get to decide and our energy is what they feel the most, not even our words, but they feel when we're exhausted. They feel when we're hiding our frustration around not living our own authentic lives. So really carving out our own me time. Like I'll just share one more quick story. I I just did my first um, solo week by myself, no kid, no partner, no husband, no one, just me by myself. Um, and she's two years old. I wish I would have done it sooner, but to, and when most mothers, as I've interviewed have had take almost 18 years to do that type of give, give themselves that type of gift, but giving yourselves all the moms out there listening, giving yourselves time, like three days, four days, five days, you can record and, and play and share this this uh, this recording of mine to your husbands to ask them to give you that week off um, to recharge your own batteries that you'd show up as a better wife, a better partner, a better mother when you get to just recharge your own batteries. And, and that joy should really be as mothers who are teaching our children how to be joyous in the real world. Um, you know, I really encourage you to um, to invest in it. And whether it's with us on dose, um, and by the way, the first two weeks are on us too, to try it out. But but if not us, to just to really find and write down what are the what are the things that bring you joy, you know, in your life. And um, and can you invite that more into your life um, day to day, week to week, month to month? And I think that's the best gift we can do, give for ourselves, for our own life, to not sacrifice for the world, you know, the, the benefit of our child. Um, but also in the end, it, it will benefit the child um, with, 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 that, with, that, with that more joyous energy. And energy is something that we forget about, but it is everything in life. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, on that note, I always end the podcast by t- thanking everyone for sharing their most valuable resources, their time and their energy with us today. And I know that you would echo that as well. But thanks also to you for sharing your valuable time and energy with us and for all this work you're doing to support women and mothers everywhere. Thank you, Katie. Right back at you. Um, it takes a village. It really does. It does. And hopefully we've inspired you guys to build and continue cultivating your own villages wherever you are. I appreciate your time. I appreciate all of you for listening, for sharing your time with us today. And I hope that you'll join me again on the next episode of the Wellness Mama podcast. If you're enjoying these interviews, would you please take two minutes to leave a rating or review on iTunes for me? Doing this helps more people to find the podcast, which means even more moms and families can benefit from the information. I really appreciate your time. And thanks as always for listening.